0: I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the 23rd verse. I would ask if you would stand with me, please. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we come into the presence of a holy, holy God. And we come not of any work of our own, not of any merit of our own, but we come because of the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we come at this time and we fix our eyes upon your word, which turns our eyes upon you. And I pray that as, as we honor your command, your wish, your desire for the church, that today we would truly, supernaturally led by your word and your spirit, see your death. I pray that today would would help shape our hearts, would help change some of us, our hearts, would help us to see the, the cost of the grace given freely to us, would help us see the sacrifice of a loving Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in this hour, in this service, that you will be glorified in this hour, in this service. And I pray that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high in this service, in this hour. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The event that we are reading about and that we are commemorating today often is referred to by two different names, at least two different names. Sometimes it is referred to as the Last Supper. Maybe the heading in your Bible says the Last Supper. Sometimes, other times, it is also referred to as the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper. Maybe you have heard that, maybe you have noticed that as well. Well, this morning, I want to briefly show you why both of those titles are correct and why both of those titles are meaningful. Now, when we hear the name Last Supper, I believe most of us suppose that it is referring to his last supper here on earth, or it's referring to his last supper there in the upper room before he is crucified, or or maybe the, the last supper that he will have with his beloved disciples. And it is that event but there is a much deeper meaning. All the way back to the book of Exodus, God instates the observance of the Passover. The Passover, this observance given to his people, was to clearly and mindfully bring God's people to remember God's hand of provision and God's hand of deliverance as they left Egypt. And so as they went through the the years after that, this was a, a mindful event to bring them back to remember God's hand of provision, God's hand of deliverance. As part of the observance, they would take unleavened bread and they would break it and they would eat it. The bread was to remind them of God's provision as they leave Egypt. It was also to remind them that the the hurriedly state that they had to leave Egypt, they didn't even have time for the, the bread to rise and that's originally where it comes from. And so it was part of their remembrance of the provision of God. Also as part of the observance, they would have four glasses of wine, each symbolic of the blood shed to secure the passing over of the death angel. Both of those elements, the bread and the wine, were part of this Passover observation. Well, see this today. Get this this morning. As Jesus and his small group of followers are there unnoticed in the upper room of this house. Now, I want you to see how profound this is. These, this group of ragtag followers there in the upper room of this house, Jesus is observing And then concluding the final Passover observance. This truly is the last supper. This final Passover observance will now give way to the first Lord's Supper. that is what is going on there in this room so profound. The the last observance of the Passover. Jesus concludes it. And then at the same time, the first observance of the Lord's Supper. Where in these events we are reminded of God's work of deliverance in the past, the other event, the new event, will now remind us of God's work of deliverance in Jesus. Where the Passover pointed to God's provision of salvation in the past, this new event will point to the provision of salvation in Jesus. Where the one was pointing to God's grace through the blood of a lamb, The other will now testify to God's grace through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. And the Last Supper now becomes the Lord's Supper. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. Verse 23, Paul says, I give you this account. I tell you of this account that I received from the Lord. Now, remember, he wasn't there. He wasn't with those disciples on that night in that upper room. But Jesus, God, had revealed this to him. It is interesting to me, most scholars, in fact, almost all biblical scholars Believe that this letter to the church at Corinth was written well before the gospel accounts. And so he wrote this before he ever heard those gospel, ever read those gospel accounts. And as with all of God's word, this is the testimony of God. Paul says, I tell you now what I received from my Lord. I want to point out here the context. That is set here. It says, On the night he was betrayed. Think about that. Let let that start to to sink in as we as we picture the events of this night and the next few days. On the night that he was betrayed, he was betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. He, He was betrayed in the next hours. He would be not only betrayed, he would be abandoned not only abandoned, he will be rejected by the people that he came to save. Some of them his very own family, he would be rejected. He would be mocked, he would be ridiculed. He would be killed. And on that night, on that night in which he was betrayed, on that night that the Lamb of God, on that day, ushering in the final Passover On that day, taking the event that pointed to his coming and now completing it in this meal in the events of the next hours, he says, and on the day, on the hour, on the evening, on the event of his betrayal, he took bread. Do you see the context? In the hour that he was betrayed, in that event, he took bread. Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus takes this part of the Passover observance and he then forever changes its meaning. They would break the bread. It would point to his provision in the past. It would remind them of God's work in the past. But now he takes the bread and he holds it up and he says, this is my body. This bread, it represents my body. Philippians chapter two, it says, being God, he emptied himself and took the form of a bondservant, a slave, and was found in the likeness of men. He had a body. And Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you. Maybe the most awesome words of the entire account, maybe the most passed over missed words in the entire account are the words for you. The the gospel of Luke says, given for you, my body sinless, given for your sinful body. My body, Jesus has given for you, for your guilt, for your rebellion, for your shame. For your redemption, for your salvation, for your redemption. My death will result in your life. Your condemnation taken in my body. Your punishment poured out on my body. And Jesus says, This is my body given for you. Oh, how can it be that He would give His body for us as sinners? This is my body given for you. And He says, Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If the bread was a picture, can you imagine this? If the bread was a picture, can you imagine this? Jesus says, my blood, my blood. Jesus says, my blood. Imagine that first Passover there in Egypt. They take this lamb an innocent lamb and they sacrifice it. No dead of its own they sacrifice it. They take this lamb. The Bible says how how they would do that. They had a process, and they would they would take this lamb, this innocent lamb, and they would sacrifice it. They took its blood, and as grotesque as it was, maybe we've become mundane to that. They would take its blood, and as grotesque as it was, as vile as it seemed, they would take its blood, and they would smear it over the post of the door, and they would smear it over the top of the door. I don't know if they had a rag. I don't know if they had some other item to to sop it up. I don't know if they use their bare hands, but the only relief is for the blood to be applied. The only deliverance is for the blood to be seen. And they would die. They would perish without the blood. And so see the picture here as they go outside their doors. Not just a little blood, not just enough blood. You cover it. Me, I'm in here. My family, my wife, and my kids were in here. You cover it. And they take the blood and it splashes out and it runs down. Our salvation, oh, it's only gonna be in the blood of this lamb. So cover it, cover it. And Jesus says, it's my blood. I'm that lamb. Oh, cover it, make no mistake. Jesus says, it's my blood. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And from Jesus, the Lamb of God, of no debt of his own, the blood runs out. A few hours later, they would hit him with a rod across his back. And no doubt, blood blisters, blood whelps will begin to rise up. They would have him scourged, they would whip him across his back, and the blood begins to come and to run out of his body. They would take a crown of thorns in mockery, and they would push it into our Savior's head, and blood will begin to run down. They take him and they nail him to the Roman cross. And blood begins to run out of his hands, it begins to run out of his feet, and his blood runs down that cross, that tree, and it begins to pull there on the ground. His blood is running out. It's dripping from his brow and his blood is running out. And when he's dead, they take a spear and they stab it in his side and his blood bursts forth and it soaks the ground beneath. He says, this is my blood given for the forgiveness of your sin. Oh, how can it be His blood for my sin. This is my blood that's shed for the remission of your sins. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Word of God. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Folks, church, as we do this, we proclaim his death until the day that he comes. This is no light matter. This is no flippant event. We proclaim the savior's death his body his blood it's interesting to me in hebrew to remember the word for remember the passover was that they would remember to remember was was not just to bring back to mind sometimes well i need to remember that it wasn't just to to refresh your memory it wasn't just to recall something The Hebrew understanding, the Hebrew meaning for the word remember means to set it again before you. Maybe you've traveled some distance. Maybe you've moved on. It's to take the event again and to set it before you and to remember it right before your eyes as it sits there in front of you. We've we've moved generations past that deliverance. We can't hardly remember the events of Egypt. And he says, take the events again and set them before you as if you were there again. And Jesus says, This do in remembrance of me. Set it again before your eyes.